strangers to love. You know the rules and so do I. I guess it would help if I were here, huh, ladies and gentlemen? How are y'all doing tonight? Welcome to a new edition of The Sea Report. We are coming to you guys live today on this Wednesday, October 20th. My clock says 11.11 p.m. Um, I think that's more like 9.11, though. 9.11, right? That's currently the time we're at right now. That's appropriate. Sorry about the technical difficulties, ladies and gentlemen. We are coming to you live uh, from Las Vegas right now, the Sea Report, and uh, we're here to bring you guys one of our regularly scheduled uh, episodes. Just give me a moment. Yeah, I got to get some stuff along. Uh, because uh, yeah, while I'm working through these technical wonders, uh, what do you call it? <laughs> While I'm working through these technical wonders, um, 
Man, I am on a weird setup right now, but everything is going good, I believe. So thank you all for joining us tonight. I just had to grab another monitor so this way I could see y'all's comments and, uh, you know, I could also engage you guys. Hope everyone's doing well. We're doing great tonight. Again, we're coming to you guys live from Las Vegas for a special episode of The Sea Report. Um, trying to monitor everything here right now. Okay, so... <laughs> uh, okay, so... Um, all right. Uh, it's been a, it's been a great uh, past day. I mean, we've been here for about twenty four hours, maybe, if at all. Uh, but uh, doing what we can. Uh, we are coming to you guys live on the Foxhole.app, on Pill.net, on Twitch.tv, and also on Clout Hub. And uh, we've been running a lot of different uh, shows. Oh, that terrible. One must know how to wear cuff and a uh <laughs> anyways okay uh so i was like this that's why for the people on the podcast who don't understand I, I was like this yeah we don't do that okay men know how to dress all right okay so as i was saying as i was saying uh we've been doing a, a couple of couple of random lives the last few days and um we haven't been on clout hub doing that particularly we did some lives this morning we did some lives last night, uh, and uh, yeah, it was pretty good. We did this morning. This morning, we did not broadcast on the foxhole or on pilled because uh, I was just doing really, really uh, kind of uh, archaic sound tests and archaic video tests. But it uh, it came out pretty good, I think. So very glad to be here with you guys tonight. Glad to be back. Be glad to be back in the mix of things. We haven't had a sea report official for like the last two days, which for me is stretching, even though like what I've been missing at least twice since I started doing this. Uh, I've had two intermittent days off, I guess you could say. Uh, but a lot of news guys is coming up and around the corner. I mean, it's not even around the corner to be quite honest with you all. It is rather in our face, um, which is, uh, which is quite alarming to an extent, but Hey, um, I also found there to be a lot of good news that was actually popping up here and there today. Not going to get to it today uh, because we have some other things to discuss. We've got some other things to get through. Before we do that, however, uh, I'm going to go ahead and jump into the chat real quick. Uh, like I said, we are live on uh, the foxhole.pill.net as well as Twitch and Clout Hub. So thank you if you're joining us over on Twitch and Clout Hub. Good to have you with us. I saw a few uh, reactionary posts there. And then, of course, uh, we have our family and community over at uh, the foxhole.app and pilled.net. And yeah, Greta Thunberg, ladies and gentlemen, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> what is going on with Mr. C? He is constantly playing these strange lefty, uh, uh, I don't know what else you'd want to call them, but um, that's a new level of cringe, ladies and gentlemen, when I'm telling you. A lot of stuff is uh, is coming up and around the bend. I really mean it. Now, what else I could say about that is that should give you a kind of hint about what tonight's episode is going to be about, ladies and gentlemen. If we got the likes of Greta Thunberg on the screen before the intro even hits the audience, something's going on, right? Okay, so uh, real quick, ladies and gentlemen... 
Uh, let me just say hello to the friends out there. Disco Ball Chaser, thank you for the uh, heads up on the sound, as well as Groucho 2, or is that Groucho Ill, or is that Groucho II? Ah, just kidding. I kid, I kid. Uh, thanks for the heads up on that, guys. Pill by the Rabbit, good to have you in the audience, sir. And uh, thank you also for the heads up on the sound. I'm sure it's going good now. Sherry Pittsburgh, good evening. Belushi, is this on another planet? <laughs> it might as well be, Belushi. Let me tell you what, because that is weird. <laughs> that is weird. I mean, you know, you know it's a proud globalist elitist hack when they like uh, when they quite honestly want to be rickrolled. <laughs> Either that or that's like generation, what comes after X and Y, Z? I don't know. I'm still uh, I'm still quite in shock about uh, last night's revelations. Anyways, so uh, we had that going on. Um, what else is going on here before I get? Wednesday, I'm eating a sandwich grilled cheese with tomato soup. That sounds good. Uh, oh, man. It sounds like Pilled and Belushi are kind of like working the same wavelength today. And uh, either Belushi's smoking or he's throwing a fart. Uh, just kidding. <laughs> okay, I'm trying to be professional. Okay. <laughs> What's going on? Cloaked Unseen. Good to see you as well. And uh, let's see here. So are tickets cheaper now to try to sell out the event? Do I know? Uh, if you're talking about Friday or Saturday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, if you're talking about the uh, Patriot Double Down, here in Las Vegas, I don't know. I couldn't tell you. I'm not aware, uh, but I can I can always go check that out. And uh, well, if you happen to pop down to Las Vegas, our cloaked unseen, make sure you say hello. It would be good to see you as well. Uh, let's go, Brand. <laughs> let's go, Brandon. Boy, that's a good one. <laughs> That's a good one, Lesko. <laughs> How many other accounts do you have on Pilled and Foxhole.app? I wonder, Lesko Brandon. <laughs> but welcome into the chat, whomever you may be. Mermaid Miss K, good evening. Thank you for gifting the shades. I appreciate it. Uh, one could always use a pair of shades in sunny Las Vegas. Been beautiful weather, by the way. Absolutely beautiful. All right, and he's here, and Belushi is here for the gossip. Awesome. Okay, so let's just jump straight into it, guys, because after all, uh, we only got uh, what an, an hour, two hours of time, maybe, to get through uh, today's finer details. And uh, well, let's face it, guys, uh, with someone like Greta Thunberg doing a Rick roll prior to the uh, prior to the intro hitting the screen, all I've got to say is. It's going to be an international episode today, guys. So uh, you can change the channel now if you'd rather uh, hear the American gossip. But there's a lot of uh, international news that I haven't been able to go to in case you guys didn't notice. And I don't think anyone did. But we didn't do an international episode last week, obviously. Uh, we had a lot of other things going on, even though I managed to do like what? Six or seven C reports in one five-day period. Yeah, how does that happen, Mr. C? Why you got to be ignoring the international community? People want to know. People want to know. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about Greta Thunberg. We don't got much to say about the little rapscallion. Honestly, we don't. 
Uh, I mean, after all, it is just Greta Thunberg. Uh, but uh, yeah, she's up here rickrolling. You know, she spent so she spent so much time uh, just angering and being like a nasty little booger that she's had to resort to doing, uh, you know, this type of shenanigan. There's no telling how many times she's been rickrolled in the executive's office, if you know what I'm saying. But uh, as it turns out, the United Nations is having another carbon footprint, you know, summit, another climate summit. So that's the uh, COP26. And of course, that's going to provide a platform for the world's political leaders and, uh, you know, the likes I would say probably business leaders, I would say probably energy leaders, right? Uh, to basically just lecture all of us on farting and breathing and uh, giving giving life to trees and plants that need our carbon dioxide in order to survive. What people don't understand about that scientific process, and don't forget guys, here at the Sea Report, we believe in science. Yeah. Okay. So, no, uh, not seriously. I was just trying to do a. Uh, I was just trying to do a nacho libre. Anyways, so yeah, uh, I, I don't understand anything about that. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure you guys are on the same page as I am. Uh, if if we breathe carbon dioxide and trees eat carbon dioxide and they exhale oxygen, what the hell are they trying to do? Uh, of course, uh, that I think that would just be the next step up from the income tax, which is a tax on us to uh, live, basically. Now they want to tax us to breathe. Well, they've been trying to anyways, but uh, I think they would have to, um, I think they would have to do something about the cows before they got to the humans, if you ask me. And that's not even including the fact that Mexico, India, China, three of the world's most dirtiest polluters, um, also don't have to pay any type of uh, payment or penalty for the amount of dirty pollution and carbon footprint that they put out. But, but never mind the fact that they're going to be having this global summit, and it's supposed to happen in Glasgow, Scotland or Glasgow, Scotland, uh, where you're going to have hundreds, if not thousands of people attending. And guess how they'll be getting there. And uh, we're just talking about the people. We're not talking about the executives. We're not talking about the world leaders. We're not talking about the business leaders who will most likely all fly on their own private jets to Glasgow to attend this climate summit. Now, the BBC reported that um, the number of people attending this United Nations summit, ladies and gentlemen, is 25,000 people. 25,000 people will be attending the summit. That doesn't even make up for the people who are not attending, but who might be tagging along. That doesn't make up for all the help. That doesn't make up for all the maids and the drivers that you know that these, uh, these uh, oligarchs are going to have in tow not to mention the individual flights and planes. It's, it is a summit of hypocrisy, that is for sure. And that is exactly why Greta Thunberg had to get rickrolled, okay? The BBC's environmental reporter also said that they weren't going to do Zoom calls, okay? Because what they learned over the uh, CV, um, um, the CV planned uh, illness of the world, 
I don't know why I'm. Uh, I don't know why I'm censoring myself. We're not on YouTube tonight. Okay. Uh, the BBC's environmental reporter also said that the Zoom calls don't work because of what they learned over the coronavirus pandemic. Was that uh, they're not efficient at scheduling summits because of the varying time zones? Okay, so they're not going to be using Zoom calls. They think it would be much more beneficial for them to meet in person. So that's what they're going to do for this COP. Out COP26, COP26 Climate Summit. I'm sure that will be an interesting time. Um, even, uh, even President Select Joe Biden will be attending alongside his uh, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, but Jig. But guys, but Geiger Butigig, you know, I used to be able to pronounce that name during the uh, presidential uh, <laughs> campaign season. Anyways, I, I'm not even trying. Okay, we we already know what we think about uh, Pete Buttigieg and his uh, lack of service to this country that are causing pizzas on the Las Vegas Strip to cost sixty two dollars, sixty two dollars for a whole pizza. We're not doing that with Biden economics and Biden inflation or with Pete Buttigieg's lack of transportation security systems for businesses and other chains of industry. But uh, apparently they're both going to be in attendance along with 12 other members of his can cabinet. They'll all be flying to Scotland. OK, and uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Sorry, I just saw your butt gig comment in there, Two Rivers. How's it going, Two Rivers? How are you doing? Oh, we're back to the C report. Let me see. Yeah, okay, so I, I only gave you guys that information because I, I tormented you all <laughs> with um, uh, Greta Thunberg Rickroll. Uh, Belushi, thank you for the backup pair of shades, my friend. I appreciate you. You're an awesome dude. And uh, let's see here. Two Rivers in the house again tonight. Yeah, I know. I am on tonight. Uh, let's see here. Uh, awesome, awesome. Cloaks in the house, Trivers. Knowing them, they'll count the employees, contractors in the number two. Knowing them, <laughs> Peter Buttigieg. Yeah. <laughs> you know Groucho number two? I certainly hope that uh, Jeffrey Tubin is not on that... Maybe that's why they canceled the Zoom calls. Maybe it had nothing to do with time, uh, time scheduling and uh, time zones. You know, maybe, uh, maybe they uh, just didn't want another Jeffrey Tubin. Sir, are you Mitradate? Uh, no, just kidding. <laughs> He's the only person I know that would make those jokes. Okay, cool. All right. So with that said, with that little bit of intel, that little bit of information, it's not even intel. It's just information about this upcoming summit. Uh, let's get into uh, President Trump. We're, I mean, it's an international episode, guys. But man, let me tell you what four days can do to you when you're not on the Trump train, ladies and gentlemen. Like, this man been busy. This man been busy making a lot of statements. Uh, we're not going to go through all of them tonight, uh, but we are going to go through um, a select few of President Trump's statements. Stop me if you heard this one. Just kidding. Don't stop me because I won't stop anyways. <laughs> okay, uh, let's see what it has to say. Uh, oh, wonderful to see Colin Powell, 
who made big mistakes on Iraq and famously so-called weapons of mass destruction be treated in death so beautifully by the fake news media. Hope, hope that happens to me someday. He was a classic rhino, if even that, always being the first to attack other Republicans. He made plenty of mistakes, but anyway, may he rest in peace. Colin Powell. Colin Powell. Yep, yeah. There you go. He's a war criminal, warmonger, war hawk, so-called Republican, voted for Obama twice, in case any of you all forgot about that one. Uh, and he also uh, did not back President Trump. Uh, what was he? I think he said he was going to back up illegitimate Joe, if I'm not mistaken, this last go-round. Um so, yeah, Colin Powell, I mean, a, a, aside from him hanging out with his uh, military industrial complex buddies and also, you know, Nazis and pedophiles, because uh, we all know what ilk he came from. Uh, better words were never said by President Trump. Uh, well, I mean, they're, they're borderline. Well, they're not ironic as much as maybe sardonic, but uh, that was his statement on Colin Powell. Uh, that he released after all he died. Now, I don't, I haven't even gotten into the speculation about, um, uh, they said if it was COVID-19 or what I've heard, uh, I've heard it was not necessarily COVID-19 that killed him, but rather complications to all of the other ailments that he had. So uh, whatever it may be, um, I guess the uh, media will use it to the best of their ability. And that was a recent statement. That was a 19th. Uh, let's check this one out. This is uh, from the 16th. It says, um, working hard to get very popular and capable former Congressman Sean Duffy of Wisconsin to run for governor. He would be fantastic. A champion athlete. Sean loves the people of Wisconsin and would be virtually unbeaten or unbeatable. His wife, Rachel, is likewise an incredible person. They are both doing very well, so this would be a great sacrifice, but hopefully it will be a sacrifice that will be made for the great state of Wisconsin and its wonderful, hardworking people. Run, Sean, run! A little spinoff on the great Herschel Walker. Run, Herschel, run. Run, Forest, run. Is that a thing? Uh, <laughs> just kidding. But uh, anyways, uh, good question, President Trump. And uh, I got to say, you know, um, I, I've been wondering who's going to step up in states like Wisconsin, who's going to step up in states like Michigan. We know in Michigan they have what? They have uh, Matt DiPerno, who's going to take on Dana Nacelle for state AG. Man, I that is a good race right there. We got uh, we got Christina Caramo, who's going to be uh, taking on Jocelyn Benson for Michigan State Secretary or Secretary of State. That's going to be a great uh, a great race for sure. Who's going to take on Wretched Gretchen Whitmer? Um, yeah, who's going to take her on? Now, I know there's someone in the running. Uh, he's someone I have never heard of. I mean, Michigan, right? Uh, apparently some people have heard of him, but I don't know. So then the question becomes, who's going to do that in uh, Wisconsin? Who's going to do that in Georgia? I think, okay, well, we already know Vernon Jones is running for governor in Georgia, um, as well as who was the other one? Uh, Christina, um, 
I don't remember her name. Uh, I guess it's because you know who I would be voting for if I lived in Georgia. Uh, but as far as like the Secretary of State in Georgia, you know, Pennsylvania, who's going to step up to the plate in Pennsylvania? That's a good question. They need to get their cabinet really set straight. But, uh, you know, I think even though we still need to vet the individuals that President Trump um, may uh, endorse or may recommend or may encourage, uh, at least it kind of points us in a direction. And, and I would take that direction two ways, one of two ways, ladies and gentlemen. I would take it as a, uh, a good bet, something that's possibly surefire, fire, you know, pending the vetting. Or it's going to be a light, it's going to be a spotlight on the rhino snake that he's putting in that position. It usually goes one of those two ways, if you've noticed, ladies and gentlemen. Either the person he is endorsing or encouraging runs like heck and does good, or they end up being a rhino with the utmost spotlight on them, which I think both are beneficial. It's just you have to have the patience for it because otherwise you get frustrated and you're like, President Trump, why are you wasting your time? And he's like, well, if I didn't do it, we would still have this rhino in our midst. So I got to do it. I'm just optimistic, ladies and gentlemen. Let's check out this uh, other statement from President Trump. It says, uh, isn't it terrible that all of Andrew McCabe's benefits, pension, salary, etc., were just fully reinstated by the Justice Department. Oh, Merrick Garland, we already have found so much out about your family, sir. Maybe you wouldn't want to be doing that. Anyways, the statement continues. This is yet another mockery to our country. Among other things, McCabe's wife received hundreds of thousands of dollars in campaign, campaign contributions from Hillary Clinton and the Democrats while crooked Hillary was under investigation, which was quickly dropped, of course. What a bad chapter this has been for the once-storied FBI. I hate to see it happening. So many great people work there. Next thing you know, the two lovers, Peter Strzok and Lisa Page, will be getting awards for what they did. And Hunter Biden will be given a clean bill of health on everything done by him. With everyone to receive as payment a beautiful Hunter Biden inspired painting selling at your local art gallery for $500,000. While I have never painted before, Hunter has inspired me to immediately begin painting because I've always felt I have a talent at that and could surely get at least $2 million per canvas and probably a lot more. I will begin immediately. Our country is crooked as hell. <laughs> I like that statement from President Trump. And I have to admit, uh, I think we actually uh, shared that statement last Friday. <laughs> it's still a good statement. It's still a good statement. Um, you know, uh, on top of what all is going on with Andrew McCabe and, of course, uh, for, for all of his lies, you know, and, and everything else that he did involving, you know, trying to remove a duly elected president, President Trump probably could make a lot of money as an artist. I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. Okay, here we go is another statement. I think we only got one more after this, and then we'll get into the rest of the news for tonight. Wacky Senator Bill Cassidy from Louisiana is a rhino Republican who begged for my endorsement in 2020. 
and used it all over the place to win re-election, much like little Ben Sassy. I know it's sass, but I like to say sassy. Like little Ben Sass, and then voted to impeach your favorite president. I've done so much for the state of Louisiana, including making it possible to build major energy facilities that would never have happened without me filling up strategic petroleum reserves at record low prices and making sure they received huge amounts of hospital supplies and ventilators to aid the people of Louisiana in fighting the China virus. Even the Democrat governor thanked me for all I did. Now, Wacky Bill Cassidy can't walk down the street in Louisiana, a state I won by almost, uh, by almost uh, 20 points. Sorry, guys. He could not. Uh, he could not even be elected to cat to. He could not even be elected dog catcher today. The great state of Louisiana. Oh dang it! Oops, sorry guys. The great state. Where are you at? Oh, the great people curse him. Wacky Bill is a totally ineffective senator, but Louisiana does have a great senator in John Kennedy. So there you go, guys. That's another example I would have to say about people that need to be vetted. And uh, I say that... Oh... Okay, I say that because, uh, I mean, for all the good things John Kennedy has said, uh, there's still some times that, there's instances I question uh, any Kennedy, really. Okay, I apologize for that. I was, uh, one of my monitors was turning off. I had to figure out a way to keep it on. Okay, so uh, done with that statement. Wacky Bill Cassidy. Mm-mm-mm-mm. One of the 10, ladies and gentlemen, one of the 10. Okay, cool. All right, let's move along. All right, our final statement from President Trump for today, and I actually rather enjoy this one. We kind of uh, talked a little bit about it last Sea uh, report on Friday. Uh, the Ku Klux Klan dressed protester case should have never been brought as the plaintiffs have no one to blame but themselves. Rather than protest peacefully, the plaintiffs intentionally sought to rile up a crowd by blocking the entrance to Trump Tower on Fifth Avenue in the middle of the day, wearing Ku Klux Klan robes and hoods. When security tried to de-escalate the situation, they were unfortunately met with taunts and violence from the plaintiffs themselves. Seeing this for what it is, prior to my deposition today, the court dismissed almost all of the plaintiffs' claims, except for a baseless claim for injuries they never suffered and the temporary loss of a worthless cardboard sign which was soon thereafter returned to them. After years of litigation, I was pleased to have had the opportunity to tell my side of the ridiculous story. Just one more example 
of baseless harassment of your favorite president. Signed, Donald J. Trump. <laughs> I love it, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> they don't seem to offer any sombreros on the emojis, but uh, President Trump has got plenty of them. So uh, that last statement is actually from his recorded deposition that he gave on uh, Monday. Uh, in the case of angry Mexicans versus Trump. Uh, that happened there at Trump Tower. Uh, funny stuff, guys. In my opinion, it's funny, okay? <laughs> In my opinion, it is hella funny. Uh, so, you know, honestly, I just think that this judge wanted to have the ability to say that they deposed a president, honestly. Because like President Trump said, all of the other issues that had to do with this case were thrown out. The only thing that they hadn't is supposed injuries, okay? And uh, we'll take a look at the injuries, okay? Um, let's see here. Uh, but, but again, a New York judge in September had ordered President Trump to give this videotaped deposition in a lawsuit that was filed by protesters of Mexican origin who claimed they were physically attacked outside the Trump Tower. Uh, President Trump appeared in the videotape deposition on Monday and a group of Mexican protesters uh, are alleging that they were assaulted outside Trump Tower by security guards. Uh, they were protesting Trump's comments on Latin American immigrants as he ran for president. Okay, this happened in 2015 um, outside the Trump Tower in New York. Um, the lawsuit named several defendants, including President Trump, his campaign, and his former head of security, Keith Schiller. Um, and the uh, former president, according to this article, said in 2016 affidavit that he had no knowledge of the altercation and was not directly involved in hiring security personnel. And his attorney had tried to get him out of testifying, but the judge decided his testimony was indispensable. So that's the reason why he ended up uh, being deposed. The six Mexican protesters are suing President Trump, the Trump Organization, Trump's campaign, and his security crew. Again, ladies and gentlemen, these protesters were wearing, they were wearing Ku Klux Klan's outfits. Ladies and gentlemen, it's uh, quite ridiculous. Do you guys want to see it? Do you guys want to see the altercation? Let me see. I, I got it here somewhere. Hold on. Uh, here we go. All right. Here's the altercation, guys, for your viewing pleasure. After the event, a bit of a scene outside Trump Towers with a confrontation between protesters and Trump security. Take a look. Oh, Trump security seen grabbing a protester sign, trashing it. They grab each other, scuffle a bit. Some of the protesters were dressed as Ku Klux Klan members and holding signs to parody Trump's campaign slogan. Instead, they said, make America racist again.
Uh, because of the delay, I'll find out whether or not you guys can actually hear that. <laughs> but, uh, stop it! Stop it! Nah. No, sir. No, sir. I don't know. The, you know, the, the security guard was probably trying to protect his buddy over there who was getting attacked by, like, a five-foot little, you know, hairy, like, caramel-colored man. Like, what, what's up with that, okay? I don't think that really happened. Okay, cool. Sound went through. Anyways, funny stuff, funny stuff. Let's move on. All right, that, that's going to wrap up our Trump news and Trump statements. Uh, let's do a quick take on Fukushima, ladies and gentlemen. Some developments out of Fukushima. In fact, there was a lot of things I wanted to say about Japan tonight. Uh, but um, we're not going to get into Japan tonight, unfortunately. We will maybe on our next international episode. I won't tell you when that's going to be. Just know it'll be soon. Uh, but this one was very striking to me. It was very important because, again, Fukushima, right? And I know, I know the, um, I know that the uh, argument there is, uh, I should say, the cynical argument there is that uh, the whole ocean is like irradiated. So who cares, Mister C? Well, I don't think like that. So I care. Okay. So like. With Fukushima, uh, basically what we're seeing here is that the Japanese prime minister has decided that they are going to dump the wastewater into the Pacific Ocean from the Fukushima Daiichi plant meltdown that happened back in like what, 2000, was it 2011 if I'm not mistaken now? Uh, Tokyo, uh, this article says, uh, cannot delay plans to release 1.25 million tons of contaminated water from the Fukushima nuclear plant into the Pacific Ocean starting in 2023, because according to them, this would set back their goal of decommissioning Fukushima's nuclear reactor. So apparently in order for them to decommission this nuclear reactor, they have to dump out all of the contaminated water. Now, of course, it's not going to be contaminated because they're going to treat it before they release it into the Pacific. But again, cynics will argue that the entire ocean is already full of radiation. So why will a little bit more help is kind of what I'm asking. Like, let's not be so cynical. Um, so uh, the prime minister's name is Kishida Humio. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Kishida Humio uh, told reporters that um, after he visited the Fukushima Daiichi plant in person on October 17th, that he felt strongly that the water issue is a crucial one that cannot be pushed back. Now, executives of the Tokyo Electric Power Company Holdings Incorporated showed Kishida around the nuclear facility this past Sunday so that he could inspect progress in decommissioning it. Kishida told TEPCO executives who operate Fukushima Daiichi that decommissioning the plant is a prerequisite for reconstruction of Japan's northeastern region. The area was devastated by a series of catastrophic events that started in March 2011. Timeline of events, guys. Uh, it started with a magnitude 9.0 earthquake that led into a tsunami that hit the northeastern coast of Japan, which struck Fukushima, which then caused the nuclear power plant to su suffer a severe meltdown. I'm sure some of you all remember about that meltdown, guys. Do you remember the blast that went off the roof? Like it, it you could see it. You could see it. You could see the little rods like shooting into the sky. 
Um, pretty, pretty, pretty catastrophic, pretty catastrophic. Now, Japanese authorities used more than 1 million tons of water to cool the plant's affected reactors in the immediate aftermath of that meltdown. They also subsequently chose to store radioactive water in above-ground tanks on Fukushima's premises. The tanks additionally contained rainwater. Okay. Oh, thank God. I was like, don't tell me I'm, uh, I'm muted. Uh, the tanks additionally contain rainwater and groundwater that have also been contaminated by the meltdown. Um, after deliberating for years on how to best dispose of the wastewater, Japan's government decided on April 13th of this year to release the tanks into the nearby Pacific Ocean. The water will be dumped into the ocean after being treated through an advanced lipid process system which is designed to remove most of the water's radioactive material. Okay, so here's where it gets a little interesting. It gets a little technical, but it gets a little interesting. Okay, so it says that the Citizens Commission on Nuclear Energy, which is an independent research body established in Japan after the 2011 Fukushima nuclear meltdown, they told Kyoto News on April 13th that they were concerned about Tokyo's plan to release the water after treating it through the uh, through the Alps system or the advanced liquid processing system. Now, the reason why they were concerned is because uh, the Citizens Commission on Nuclear Energy, they said that there is a lack of uniform international standards on a level of tritanium deemed safe for release into the environment. So where Japan might think a certain amount is safe uh, South Korea might think a different amount is safe. China might think is a different amount of safe. Hawaii might think a different amount of the tritanium is safe to be released. Now, this is highly radioactive material. Um, now, to get a little bit more technical, Japan has set the level uh, for safe release of tritanium, tritanium, tri tri tritium, tritium, it's not tritanium. Anyways, it's adamantium. Anyways, no. Japan has set the level of safe uh, tritium to be released at 60,000 becquels per liter. Uh, the World Health Organization says that the acceptable level is 10,000 becquels per liter. And the European Union says that only 100 Becquels per liter is acceptable as safe. Okay. Now, a becquel is a physical unit that specifies how many atomic nuclei decay in a substance in one second on average. So, Japan's saying per one liter of water, there can be 60,000 becquels, where you have the European Union saying the safe standard for that per liter is 100. That's a huge difference, guys, a huge difference. Um, I pulled up a quick video to share with y'all uh, because I thought it better illustrated exactly what they're talking about. Uh, we're not going to watch. It's only a three minute video, but we're not going to watch all of it. We're just going to watch maybe the first half of it. So you guys can. Uh, it, I mean, I was like, what is a Bikel? Anyways, so it helped me. Maybe uh, it'll it'll shine light on this thing here. When it comes to radioactivity or radiation, the term Bechel keeps popping up. But what does it actually mean? 
Becquerel is a physical unit that specifies how many atomic nuclei decay in a substance in one second on average. Frequently, this so-called activity is indicated for a given quantity of a substance, for example in Becquerel's per kilogram, which is then referred to as specific activity. However, there are also values in Becquerel that relate to volumes or areas. But what do we need this unit for? For instance, how strong radiation sources are that are used for medical or industrial applications can be expressed in units of Becquerel. Values in Becquerel are also used for limits. For instance, for the permissible content of certain radioactive substances in food. By the way, did you know that the limit for cesium-137 in wild boar is 600 Becquerel per kilogram? This radioactive material can be relatively easily transported by air and has a half-life of about 30 years. The Chernobyl accident in 1986 resulted in the release of radioactive material, in particular cesium-137, which reached Europe through the atmosphere. In Germany, this substance has mainly been deposited on soils in the Bavarian forest. Even today, wild boars ingest cesium from there through their food, such as mushrooms. That is why a limit has been set for this radioactive substance for wild boars. Before wild boar meat is allowed to be placed on the market, compliance with this limit will be checked. How is the activity of radioactive substance actually measured? Since you cannot see the decay of atomic... Okay, so that's all I was going to share with you guys. To, to kind of illustrate, it was that whole, uh, that boar meat, uh, that whole boar meat illustration there. It's like, dang, that's, um, that's actually rather dramatic if you think about it. So uh, again, here we have, uh, we have the um, Citizens Commission on Nuclear Energy. Again, these guys are concerned, I would say with just reason. All right. I mean, no matter how much, uh, you know, radiation is already in the ocean out there, I don't think we need any more. Uh, but it did, they did note that uh, such a significant difference in the standards across countries prove that there is no scientific foundation for the safety of tritium. Many countries have merely set standards because they needed to run nuclear power plants, which produce tritium as a byproduct. Now, uh, Kishida, he was elected prime minister of Japan only but two weeks ago, ladies and gentlemen. And his predecessor, Suga Yoshihide, he um, is the one who initially approved of Tokyo's final plans to release Fukushima's wastewater into the Pacific Ocean. Uh, so Kishida is backing up that plan, and it seems that he's going to move forward with it come 2023. Uh, South Korea is already up in arms about it, not literally, but uh, they have expressed prior disapproval of Japan's wastewater disposal plan, citing fears of dumping radioactive water into shared Pacific Ocean, uh, causing an impact to the safety of neighboring countries, which I would say, ladies and gentlemen, is very founded, okay? So I would definitely back South Korea. I would even back North Korea up on this one, guys, but uh, North Korea is not really concerned about that because after all, the tabloids at the newspaper supermarkets uh, seem to say that uh, Un is dead, but I don't know. I didn't look into that tonight, so don't look forward to hearing about it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for tuning in tonight. Uh, we're almost at the top of hour number one here, running a little bit late live over at the foxhole.app, over at pill.net, at Twitch, and at Clout Hub. Coming to you guys live from Las Vegas, Nevada. 
glad to be here. And I, I, I'm sorry about the lighting, by the way. I just realized I'm like totally like whited out. No racism intended, right? Okay. <laughs> Anyways. And uh, thanks for joining us over if you're hanging out over at Twitch Cloud Hub. And as always, uh, ladies and gentlemen, over at uh, um, Pilled and at Foxhole.app. Thanks for hanging out, ladies and gentlemen. Sergeant Sparky, welcome, welcome. I see you there, sir. Uh, who else we got in here? What else we got going on in here, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> Belushi loves $62 pizza. Well, my friend, that's a little bit too rich for my blood, sir. I don't know. I was like, that better be like, I don't know, golden cured ham and like, I don't know, chicken of the sea. I don't know, uh, red sea bass or something on that. I don't know what you put on that to make it cost $62 other than a butter jig and a Biden that have no plan. That's the only thing that could make it cost that much in my humble opinion. All right. Uh, let's see here. Hiroshima, Nagasaki. Yup, yup, yup. Talking about... Uh, Talking about that uh, radiation, right? Age, is that J-Bell? Hey, J-Bell, what's going on, sweetie? Thank you for stopping in, and thanks for gifting the cookie. Good to see you. Uh, let's see. Dude, the ocean pollution is a huge problem. That is a fact, but don't let that turn you into a uh, Rick-rolled Greta Thunberg, okay, Belushi? <laughs> we can do this together without getting Rick-rolled by Greta Thunberg for crying out loud. And uh, thank you for the cookie as well, Belushi. I appreciate you. You guys are being uh, generous tonight. Thank you, guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right. Let's get on with the story today. Like I said, we're already at the top of the hour. We'll try and get this done within the next hour. Just do a two hours tonight, and then we'll see what's up for tomorrow. We'll do another C report tomorrow for sure, uh, but I'm going to attempt to do some man-on-the-street stuff tomorrow, and uh, the time I'll be doing that at is totally... I have no idea. We'll figure it out. If I can't do it tomorrow, I'll at least be doing sound tests for that and uh, other uh, other tests for the man on the street to see if this equipment's working because uh, that's going to be the big thing. But thank you all for tuning in again tonight as we move along. Thank you for your gold pill donations and wherever donations are coming in. Don't forget, I'm 100%, 200%, 500%, 1,000% listener and audience supported. So uh, if you like what I do, I thank you so much for uh, your support, ladies and gentlemen. Why is Fort McCoy on my screen? Okay, uh, this is a quickie into the next topic uh, for tonight. If you guys noticed with that new banner I have on here, I don't really tell you guys what I'll be talking about tonight, so I'm sure the suspense is killing you. Uh, but uh, yeah, so a quick take on the Taliban, uh, you know, with all of this other stuff that's going on, all this other hoo-ha out there, we have um, the woke military deploying gender advisors for Afghan refugees at Fort McCoy. Now, they're not planning to stop it there at Fort McCoy. They're planning to, to uh, dispatch all of these gender advisors to uh, all of the um, bases that they have these Afghan refugees at, which, I mean, already this is a problem. You know, they're not focusing on the Americans that were stranded over there. Uh, we just had China run a hypersonic nuclear capable missile that circled the entire globe on a low orbit 
during the entire Afghanistan crisis, which, ladies and gentlemen, like I said, never let your expectations get the best of you because what if that was the whole point? I mean, what if the entire point of this uh, Afghan Afghanistan failure um, of our military and our executive, you know, what if the entire point was so that China could run a hypersonic nuclear missile test with no one paying attention so that they could at least say that they have that capability? I mean, in, in, in the world of geopolitical like warfare, I would say, and, and considering that they would suffer harsh consequences from the United States, from the United Kingdom, from all of the Western world, basically, for doing such a thing. They got away with it while Afghanistan was burning, okay? Uh, and on top of that, they also got some brand new equipment or some brand new toys to study and reverse engineer. Now, according to Madison.com, the United States military has sent gender and protection advisors to Fort McCoy to handle domestic abuse, child care emergencies, and the upcoming winter for the thousands of Afghan refugees still housed at the army base. Now, this is going to crack another thing that just bothers me about this whole Taliban Afghanistan refugee thing, ladies and gentlemen, because I pretty much know where I stand on, you know, in regards to this story and these developments, but, um, I don't stand with many, okay? Now, the advisors hope to address gender-specific needs of the nearly 13,000 men, women, boys, and girls at Fort McCoy and eight other U.S. military installations since the Afghan government fell to the Taliban in August. The military said that in a statement, now gender advisors for the Department of Defense were created by a 2018 law that mandates the U.S. military to address the gender needs of people and minorities in war and conflict zones, because God knows that when you are going into war, you need to be sensitive to the needs of transgenders and whatever other kind of gender they have running around in the hills and the mountains and the sand dunes, okay? Makes no sense. Okay, why we are wasting our time and money on ensuring that when we're, I don't know, saving a bunch of refugees that we put the binaries with the binaries and the trinaries with the trinaries. It makes no damn sense. It's a waste of money. It's a, it's a, to it's a total waste. And that's not it, ladies and gentlemen. That's not it. Okay. Now, pictured here are two Afghan refugees, okay, who were... They were charged, ladies and gentlemen, with sexually abusing two underage boys and choking and suffocating one of their wives. And I mean one of their wives, not, not all of their wives. <laughs> I mean, one of these two guys was charged with choking and suffocating his wife, okay? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I mean, we left Americans over there in Afghanistan, first of all, okay? Then we brought in a whole bunch of refugees, okay? Then we laid into the Taliban government because they're uh, prehistoric and they're, uh, 
you know, they're, they're Shiites or we brought these people over here. I mean, the people who are raping underage boys and suffocating their wife don't sound like they're much more developed than the Taliban, do they? Do they? I mean, by that standard, are they not exactly like the Afghanistan uh, Taliban? Anyways, 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 get out of my face. Get out of my face. <laughs> okay, okay, let's talk. We're talking Taliban now, guys. It's International Day, so... If you don't like the Taliban, you can change channel, but I still got to share the news. Uh, so the Taliban, ladies and gentlemen, that, like I said, that was a quickie, a segue story into what we're going to be talking about now. Uh, a lot of things going on over with the Taliban. Uh, first of all, we did have um, some bombings that occurred earlier this month within the last two weeks. Now, the man pictured on the screen, his name is Sabiullah Mujahid. Zabiullah Mushahid. Now, Zabiullah Mushahid, he is a Taliban spokesman, okay? And he said a bomb blast rocked a gathering of civilians near the entrance of the Eidgah Mosque in Kabul this afternoon, leaving a number of civilians dead. Okay, and this actually came from, he has his own Twitter. I've seen it. I can't read anything it says on there, you know, but <laughs> anyways. So this first explosion that happened in Afghanistan, ladies and gentlemen, occurred on the 3rd of October of this month at a mosque in Kabul. Okay, now reported from this, about five people were dead. Uh, I didn't get a number on how many were injured, but five dead for sure. Um, and uh, no one claimed this bombing at this mosque. Okay, no one claimed the bombing. It happened right outside the mosque gate, um, and uh, again, uh, people were killed. Now, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of theory about who bombed the mosque. I'm pretty sure you guys could take a guess at who may have claimed responsibility. Uh, in fact, a lot of people believe it was members of ISIS K. Okay, ISIS K. Now, here's the other thing, guys. Again, in all of the articles that I am reading, uh, they do not fail, regardless of what side of the aisle these people are writing from. They do not fail to mention the fact that ISIS members were released during the Taliban's takeover of Afghanistan. President Trump said himself, that the Afghan army released the uh, the captives in Bagram, not the Taliban. Now, um, media, who is what? Mainstream media, fake news, lamestream legacy media, they have said that the Taliban released the uh, captives at Bagram. President Trump said it was the Afghanistan army before they left because uh, they were going to get their tails whipped. They released them. Uh, but all of the articles, aside from that point, all the articles always talk about the relationship between ISIS-K and Taliban. Okay, now, Taliban, bad guys. All right. They might have rightfully owned the land, and, and because they are the origi original owners of that land, you know, uh, you're going to have a group of people that think that they should get their rights to that land again, because after all, what has happened to them the last 30 to 40 years they've been used they've been they've been a proxy you know um army 
They've been uh, painted. They have been terrorists because that's the way they've been used. They've been used to be terrorists by agencies like the CIA. Okay, so there you will have a group of people that think the Taliban should get Afghanistan back. The land is rightfully theirs, historically speaking, and they are a government who have been christened as terrorists. Then you will have the other group of people who say because of everything that the Taliban did while working for the CIA and while being used by the CIA, they don't deserve squat. We should have a Western-backed globalist uh, government running Afghanistan. That's what people think. They, I don't know, you know, what is the other option is what I ask. Because if we don't have a Western-backed globalist, IMF, World Bank, you know, United Nations government in Afghanistan, like we did the last 20 years, who's going to rule it? Who would you rather have rule it? People who deserve the land because they're originally from the land and they were used and they're trying to make concessions for themselves or people who want you dead and who want your brain to be put into a robot so they can use you forever. Like, okay, so let me just drop that picture real quick. Poop. I'm going to drop that painting. Okay. I'm going to drop that painting and uh, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to continue talking about this. Okay. Because again, if you were to ask me, I would say the Taliban is trying to make concessions. I would say the Taliban is trying to become an actual government with its own institutions. And those institutions might be different from ours, but it would still be their own government, um, barring any humanitarian issues, which we'll get into in a minute, guys. We'll get into that in a minute. And the mainstream media painted this entire divergence, this entire diversion uh, that makes them look like terrorists again, while we had the head of the CIA go over there and make plans with them, while we had China running, you know, hypersonic missile tests around the world, you know, and then we have ISIS who's going in there to further break down any attempt that this political party known as the Taliban is trying to fix. Okay. Now, I am not on their side, guys. I am just frustrated at the history of this. And we see that there was another mosque bombing in Kabul. Okay. Um, and this one was worse. Like I said, there were two at the beginning of this month. There was one that killed five. The second one, and these uh, photos are going to be a little bit graphic, y'all. Um, there was a second bombing that took place five days later. Uh, it occurred at a Shiite mosque in northeastern Afghanistan, and uh, it was done by a suicide bomber with whom the Islamic State ISIS-K, the Islamist state in Khorasan province, claimed responsibility for immediately. They claimed responsibility for attacking, uh, for attack using its channels on encrypted messaging <laughs> platform, Telegram. Okay. <coughs> I'm sure that was important. I'm sure they put Telegram in there for a reason. You, you know they're probably going to attack Telegram next. Um, uh, during this bombing of this mosque, 43 people were killed. And over 100 people were injured, according to local officials. Uh, like I said, these are, I only got a couple here, but they are a little graphic. Um, if you really look at these photos, there's 
human remains all over the place. Like there's human remains all over the place. That's why I said it's a little graphic. Um, Shiite Muslims in Afghanistan are a minority and Shiites are often targeted by the Islamic State, which practices an exceptionally grim and apocalyptic version of Sunni Islam. Mm, okay. So, uh, like I said, some people are trying to make concessions, some aren't. Um, let's see here. A, uh, a deputy police chief for uh, the city of Kunduz um, said that he assures our Shia brothers that the Taliban are prepared to ensure their safety. Okay. So, um, I don't know, guys. I mean... I, I just, I can go all over the place. With, I know we can all go all over the place with this topic. So uh, anyways, Al Jazeera predicted the attack would put more pressure on the Taliban to deliver on their promise of providing a safe environment for the Afghan people, while ISIS-K appears to be sending a message that they are far from defeated, that they are willing to further expand their footprint across Afghanistan. Taliban and ISIS do not like each other ladies and gentlemen. But uh, continuing on what the developments of Afghanistan and the government the Taliban is attempting to put together, uh, we see that Russia has actually invited the Taliban to a regional summit in Moscow. Actually, it took place today in Moscow. Now, the summit um, was hosted by Russia, and uh, there were representatives from several countries there, including representatives from China, India, Iran, and Pakistan. And basically, this meeting was all about talking about the geopolitical situation going on in Afghanistan right now. Uh, Russia's presidential envoy to Afghanistan, a man by the name of Zamir Kabulov, um, was asked by reporters at a press briefing on the 7th if the Kremlin had invited the Taliban delegation. Indeed, they did. And uh, uh, in addition to the Taliban, various other Afghan parties were also invited for talks at the summit today. Um, Moscow, um, Kabulov added, was also collecting cargo ships or cargo to ship to the impoverished country which previously relied almost entirely on U.S.-backed funding for food and essentials. Because there are several vacuums that went out on Afghanistan when uh, Joe Biden did what he did. Uh, the Moscow Times recalled on the 7th that Moscow has in recent years hosted Taliban delegations for a series of talks attempting to mediate peace between the Taliban and the Western-backed globalist Afghan government. So Moscow has been trying to mediate peace between the two because the rightful end is the Taliban's and the Western-backed globalists is an, instilled, is an installed government thanks to America and the United Nations, okay? Well, they're not there anymore, obviously, but so Moscow had been trying to, uh, you know, um, do peace talks between the two. Um, the latest trip took place in July uh, between um, a member of Moscow and the Taliban to Afghanistan, and that was one month ahead of the Taliban's overthrow of the Afghan government, uh, the Western-backed globalist one. Uh, the Russian military has carried out several live-fire exercises 
at its bases in Tajikistan. Now, Tajikistan is an ex-Soviet republic that shares nearly 1,500 kilometer border with Afghanistan since the Taliban have taken over. So since the Taliban have taken over, Russia has been doing live fire exercises out of Tajikistan. And I'm sure that is as much as a warning, as much as it could be preparation for something. Uh, the Kremlin is, um, oh, according to this article, the Kremlin technically recognizes the Taliban as a terrorist organization within Russia. Though Kabulov, again, that is the, uh, that is the, um, that is the uh, envoy, the presidential envoy, Kabulov, he said on Thursday, or perhaps he suggested um, that even though they are recognized as a terrorist organization inside of Russia, um, they would not, um, they, the formality would not prevent Moscow from holding serious talks with the group on the 20th, which again was today. Now, as far as that goes, ladies and gentlemen, uh, what was the outcome of these peace talks, or I should say out of this geopolitical discussion? Uh, that was that um, basically Russia has demanded that the international community sends aid to the Taliban and Afghanistan. Uh, Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov demanded effective financial human humanitarian support from the international community for the brutal Taliban regime in remarks. Now, again, ladies and gentlemen, this conference took place today. It included Pakistan, China, Iran, India, and the former Soviet Union states in Central Asia, but not the United States. Now, illegitimate Joe Biden was invited, ladies and gentlemen. They did extend an invitation to the United States, but illegitimate Joe Biden decided that they were not going to go. Um, and uh, they said it had to do with um, logistical difficulty for them to attend the summit in Moscow. And I have a feeling the reason why that didn't happen is because uh, he, they would be sitting in a den of, you know, vipers. And by vipers, I don't mean like people who stab you in the back. I mean, like, they're going to kill you with one shot uh, because they probably would have blown them up and been like, uh, look at what you did. And, uh, president Trump had an entire plan for them and you guys just totally jacked it up. Um, so Lavrov said on Wednesday that he regretted the absence of the United States. Yeah. Okay. I'm sure he did. I'm sure he regretted it. Um, I, I, I would regret not being able to, uh, shoot my wad at him either. Anyways, not like that, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. <laughs> Uh, this is what uh, this is what Lavrov said. He said, we are convinced that it is time to mobilize the resources of the international community to provide Kabul with effective financial humanitarian support, including to prevent a humanitarian crisis and reduce migration flows. The Russian foreign minister declared. Now, Lavrov also stressed that Moscow's expe uh, Moscow expects the Taliban to control Afghanistan's borders and prevent terrorists from using Afghanistan as a base of operations for attacks in other countries. So they absolutely still have to stick to their side of the deal, guys, and they absolutely still have to work on some of their humanitarian issues. Uh, but this is an assessment from the international community. Uh, he said, Lavrov said, we call on the Taliban movement 
and we discussed this with their distinguished delegation to prevent the use of Afghanistan's territory against third countries, most importantly, neighbors. Uh, so that's they definitely have you know stipulations, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, we'll see how the uh, we'll see how the uh, international community, let alone our own nation, uh, um, feels this out. Uh, now, getting back to the government of Tajikistan, because we mentioned again, Tajikistan is a former Soviet uh, Soviet uh, state. And uh, they border Afghanistan. They're between uh, Russia and um, Afghanistan. Uh, the government of Tajikistan has been hostile towards the Taliban, obviously, uh, because um, the uh, the fall of Afghanistan, they took on refugees and they've had issues with the Taliban. Um, but Pakistan and Russia are worried that this his hostility could ignite a border conflict especially if uh, Tajikistan militants manage to operate across the border and threaten uh, Tajik security. Uh, Tajikistan is also currently hosting, uh, Tajikistan is also currently hosting about 15,000 refugees from Afghanistan and there are fears a stampede across the border if the situation in Afghanistan continues to deteriorate. Um, Reuters reported that Lavrov took a friendly and conciliatory tone toward the Taliban in his remarks, saluting their alleged efforts to stabilize the military and political situation and set up state institutions. So again, that's what the Taliban is saying. I don't know that that is true because, uh, you know, I don't know the Taliban from Jack. And I know that they were talking with the CIA uh, prior to and after um, the fall of uh, Kabul. So uh, we'll have to see where this goes, guys, as far as that is concerned. In, uh, in, in, the, um, in the interim here between um, Afghanistan, the Taliban, ISIS, China, all of them, ladies and gentlemen, all of them. Uh, real quickly, the G20 says, now the group of 20, they have an opinion on this as well. Uh, they were aware of this conference taking place, so they had one of their own on Tuesday. Um, and they agreed that the Taliban must be actively involved in distributing humanitarian aid to the people of Afghanistan. So if they, if they donate, if they send um, you know, any kind of aid to Afghanistan, the Taliban have to be actively involved in distributing that humanitarian aid. Uh, the group, the G20, insisted um, this concession should not be construed as formal recognition of the Taliban's legitimacy. So they're making the Taliban work hard for their money, right? Which to me is interesting. Why would we have the G20 even, even offering aid to the Taliban and Afghanistan after the Taliban shut down Afghanistan and killed all those people and are already doing inhumane things to women, children, and gays. Okay. Like why would they, why would they offer them the help if they don't see that there's a concession already happening or if that perhaps they see quite through, you know, they see quite through the ruse that uh, the CIA, the Biden regime, and the mainstream media cast upon all of us about what was really happening in Afghanistan. 
ladies and gentlemen. Last story on Afghanistan and the Taliban for tonight. The Taliban have quietly allowed some of the girls to return to provincial schools. Okay, so this is a new development within the last few days. The Wall Street Journal reported on Tuesday that the Taliban has quietly permitted teenage girls to return to school in four of Afghanistan's northern provinces. Um, and uh, let's see here. And, and this is because this is because, according to them, uh, the Taliban is trying to make concessions and to be a real government. OK, so Taliban 2.0. All right. Or the new Taliban say that they are willing to shape policy around cultural differences across Afghanistan, unlike in the 90s when they imposed harsh social rules on everyone under their rule. Now, across most of Afghanistan, the Taliban has reopened secondary schools for boys, effectively barring girls from attending anything above sixth grade. Now, again, according to resources for the Wall Street Journal, um, which includes teachers, students, and an uncharacteristically subdued Taliban spokesman, teenage girls were allowed to go back to school in the provinces of Balkh, Kunduz, Sar Ipul, and Jaws Jan, territories that include the large cities of Mazar-i-Sharif and Kunduz. Now, teachers in Afghanistan have also noted that the Taliban has comprehensively wrecked the national economy, so there is little money to pay teachers to hold classes for anyone. Schools for boys will likely receive most of the scarce funding for education. Al Jazeera News on Wednesday quoted UN reports that found over 2.2 million Afghan girls were unable to attend school even before the Taliban took over, okay? Even before the fall of the Western-backed globalist Afghan government, 2.2 million Afghan girls were not able to go to school. Um, and that was in part because the United States supported civilian government. That's right, the government that we helped install they did not properly fund education or they were too busy raping boys and strangling their wives to ensure there was enough safe buildings to hold classes in. Okay, so it's pretty easy to throw a load on people when you want them to look like they're the bad guy. All right, uh, but more of this stuff is just coming out, guys. I stand... Uh, Vindicated, I think. Aha. So anyways, Al, Al Jazeera also noted that the Taliban's friend in Pakistan and Qatar have been pushing it to allow girls back into school in order to placate the international community. And because they fear the Taliban's primitivism will make their own governments look bad by association. <laughs> that is just a hoot, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's see here. Uh, the question, of course, uh, some people do have is why is it that girls can go back to school in the north of Afghanistan, but not in the south? Um, and the answer to that would be that the northern Afghanistan is dominated by several ethnic groups that are more relaxed in regards to allowing uh, social and cultural divergence like girls going to school. Uh, and that would include the Tajiks, the Uzbeks, the Hazara. Um, and uh, that's pretty much where that goes, ladies and gentlemen. So very interesting there, um, you know, as as a sour of a note as it is sometimes to share articles with you guys from places like Al Jazeera or 
the Wall Street Journal, on topics like Afghanistan and the Taliban. Uh, I thank you guys for allowing me to share the stories, just so you guys have an idea. And I'm not saying like you guys don't have an idea. I'm just saying so we in general have an idea as a community about some of the finer things that are happening around the world today. And I definitely think that particularly if we're talking about another uh, another America first, save America uh, type of leadership here in our country, we're going to hear some interesting things about what was going on in Afghanistan under woke General Milley and woke Darth Lloyd Austin, ladies and gentlemen. All right, we're on our final topic for tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Am I ahead of time? I'm ahead of time. Oh, my goodness. Let me take a minute to stop into the chat and say hello again. We got uh, Connie Ketchup, Mr. C. They are limiting cash use here in Texas. They want credit cards and debit cards. Something is going on. When? When? Well, you know what? I feel like someone just told me about that. Was that last night or was the, when I was talking with my sis earlier? I don't remember. Um, I don't know what's up with that. Um, I'll find out some more as soon as I can. We'll. I'll still be. I'm still doing Lone Star News, so I'll. I'll. Uh, I'll dig into that as soon as I can. Uh, let me see what else we got going on in here. Oh geez. Oh geez. Oh geez. Did I miss something in the chat, guys? <laughs> uh, oh no, half my chat is gone. Better lately. Thank you for hey. Thank you for the thank you for the thousand gold pills, uh, Canadian patriot. Better lately, seventeen. <laughs> I said that all backwards. Sorry. Uh, I'm having a cognac and cigar on my leather chair and my smoking jacket. Oh, ah, uh, I too was drinking the cognac. Okay, like I want to get a cigar now. Okay, so anyway, hey, if you guys want, I'll take you guys on a walk later on after the show. You guys tell me. Uh, thanks for joining in better lately Canadian Patriot 17 and uh, I was remarking the other night how much I enjoyed our conversation on Saturday so uh, I look forward to doing something with you soon bud uh, let's see here uh, let's see CP 17 uh, what else is going on here okay uh, great conversations between friends J bell thank you for the can thank you for the can J bell J bell thank you J bell. Thank you, J-Bell, for the fleet. Oh, my goodness, girl. You're, no, nah, that's way too generous. Thank you so much. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. Wow. Um, I don't know what to say, but thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you so much. Um, I'm missing, this chat is moving too fast for me now. What do y'all, <laughs> and J-Bell, I heard you might be coming to Las Vegas. Is you going to be here? Because if you are, you better make sure we meet. Because if you don't make sure we meet, I'll make sure we meet. Belushi, thank you for the cookie and the cookie and the cookie and the cookie. Oh, I was, Belushi's having a cookie fight with himself. <laughs> Belushi's tossing his cookies. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you. Uh, let's see here. 13 point. Are you doing a gold pill count? You're doing a gold pill count, aren't you? Oh, my God. Thank you. Wow. 13. Wow. And then another oh you guys are moving too fast in the chat oh my god ladies and gentlemen um wow thank you so much oh wait no maybe there it is maybe there it is maybe there it is uh oh no the chat's moving the chat is moving you guys okay i'm I, <laughs> oh my my word oh my day ladies and gentlemen 
Uh, cookie a can, a can from J-Bell. Have fun in Vegas from uh, the un, uh, Utter Lately Boys. Utter Lately. <laughs> well, I know what utters are, sir. Uh, <laughs> Wait, is that with two T's or two D's? Anyways, okay. <laughs> oh my goodness. Barnyard Lately. Okay, I got <laughs> I don't think I got you anywhere. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, J-Bell, maybe I just told on myself. How did you know? Wait, wait, wait. I'm going to have to just go back and read. I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm just going to have to go back and read uh, read the uh, chat here, guys, because uh, you guys are having a lot of fun in there. That's awesome. I'm glad you guys are hanging out tonight. Thank you for the 400 gold pills. Thank you again for the can. J-Bell, J-Bell, thank you. You don't, ha you don't have to do that. <laughs> But thank you. Um, <laughs> you guys are just teasing each other, aren't you? Okay, Sergeant Sparky still in the house. Peeled by the rabbit. Wowzers. I think that's the highest gold pill count I've ever had. Thank you. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. I think that is. Sorry. Anyways, uh, J Bells with a cookie. Sergeant Sparky, thank you for the can. Uh, let's see here. Garbelly Longfellow. I've heard of a Robin Longfellow. Do you know, are you, are you any relations to a Robin Longfellow of, uh, of, uh, Hades? No, just kidding. <laughs> Look it up. <coughs> Look it up. I'm not teasing. I'm just being silly. Uh, let's see the tal. Oh no. And a comment. Uh, where did it go? J-Bell says, the Taliban have been ahead of all other operational governments in Afghanistan for decades, and we knew it. They knew it. Everyone knew it. Mm-hmm. I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it, J-Bell. I don't doubt it. Like, uh, there's a reason why everything was going down the way it did. Check this out. J-Bell says the boss and Kansas had peace deal with Taliban in 2019. Are you talking about the Doha agreement? Do you, do you remember? I bet you you do, J-Bell, and, and everyone else in the chat too. Do you remember, like, do you remember when President Trump brought the Taliban to America, like, the day before 9-11? And everyone was like, oh, how could he do such a thing? That's so bad. That's so wrong. And uh, I mean, I, didn't, I don't remember having an opinion on it per se. I was just like, the man's doing this for a reason. You know, I trust but verify. Um, but that was interesting. That was interesting. And yeah, I think that would I think that would I think that would go back to 2019, J-Bell. I think that's exactly the one you're talking about. I think I think correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that that might be the same instance you're talking about. That's very interesting. Um, but yeah, yeah. Peace talks guys. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, thank you for the cookie and for the can as well. Um, Sergeant Sparky, J-Bell, thank you again for the cookie guys. Thank you for being amazing tonight. I appreciate that. Not that you guys aren't amazing all the time. Um, yes, indeed. Okay, cool. I think we're good here. Thank you, Sergeant Sparky. I love you guys all. I love you guys also. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
Sorry. All right. For those of you who are joining us on the podcast side of the show, <laughs> what's up, Day Chipper? Uh, uh, hey, Shepherding Shepherd, what's going on? What is going on? And yeah, boy, death. Good, good evening. Tanette Booth. Oh, my goodness. The party's getting here, too, now. <laughs> what is up, Tanette? How are you doing? I feel like I missed someone in there. Did I miss someone in there? I'm sure I did. Let's go, Brandon. Thank you. Let's go, Brandon, for the cookie as well. Um, okay. Uh, for those of you joining us on the podcast side, uh, I was just, uh, I was just, uh, you know, rolling with my homies over there on uh, Peel.net and the Foxhole.app. Uh, if you guys, uh, if you guys want to know what's going on, or if you're kind of like, why is he talking uh, absently uh, and off-topic? Usually, it's to the chat, or it is. Uh, it is the visual presentation of it. So if you are a um, if you are a podcast listener and you want to check out the show sometime, make sure you head over to the foxhole.app or to pill.net. Those would be my first two recommended spots. Look up the Mr. C channel. And uh, for any other information on the C report, you can just go to the C report.com. Uh, but again, uh, if you want to see what all the shenanigans are about with your own eyes, head over to the foxhole.app and to pilled.net. Okay. All right. Let's get into our final topic for tonight. We're going to be talking about China because we haven't, we haven't focused on China, like focused on it uh, since we started doing international news because I can't stand them. Okay. <laughs> so we don't talk about China much, but uh, let's talk about this, um, Let's talk about this entire thing that's going on with um, with Evergrande, Evergrande, right? Okay, so Evergrande. Okay, basically, the premise is this, and and we're what we're twenty days into October. This issue actually started with them on September twenty third. Okay, because on September twenty third. That's when Evergrande's payment was due, okay? And they gave them a 30-day grace, which means they have until the 20, the 23rd, because there's 30 days in October, I mean September. So they have until the 23rd, okay, to pay their bills or they go into default, all right? So we got three days, ladies and gentlemen, to see what's going to happen with Evergrande, China's um, economy, and the world economy. Now, the reason why that's a big concern for people is because there's a lot more unseen debt and other financial, um, um, other financial tools that uh, people don't realize exactly how big this bubble is. And it appears that it's actually pretty big. Okay. Uh, the financial woes of Evergrande have rippled throughout the global financial markets and investors are bracing for more volatility as the situation unfolds. Now, again, for those of you who are not too sure or unaware, Evergrande is a behemoth property developer in China, and it owns 1,300 projects in more than 280 cities and is China's largest property developer by sales. It's so large that it has also expanded its business to include theme parks, electric vehicles, financial services, mineral water, and yes, ladies and gentlemen, they even bought their own soccer team, the, the Guangzhou Evergrande FC, 
Okay, so the reason why we're hearing a lot about Evergrande right now and the reason why a lot of people are starting to watch the market because of this developing situation is that uh, Evergrande is estimated to have an eye-watering $300 billion worth of debt, $300 billion, and it's struggling to pay its creditors. Again, they were to pay an $83.5 million payment in interest only on September 23rd. $83.5 million interest only payment due on September 23rd. They received a 30-day extension, okay? Uh, the rating agency known as Standard & Poor's has deemed an Evergrande default will be likely. Um, investors are losing faith in the solvency of the company and Evergrande's share prices have tumbled 80% year to date. Now, as the company is scrambling to find funds, construction has stalled on all of its projects, uh, which has also put 1.4 million properties in jeopardy, okay, of being incomplete or remaining much like the Fontainebleau down the road for me here in Las Vegas. That hotel, ladies and gentlemen, by the way, which would have been marvelously beautiful, has been that way because of the economic housing bubble that happened in 2008. It's been over 10 years, ladies and gentlemen. Good example, right? Now, the situation sparked protesters as well. So on top of all this, the contractors are not getting paid. The uh, employees are not getting paid. This is uh, spiraling very quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but again, it, it, the problem extends even beyond that, obviously. Um, property plays a major role in China's economy, much like it did here in the United States up until like after 2008, right? Um, it, it accounts for around 25% of the country's gross domestic property and is also the single largest source of household assets accounting for around 60% of household assets. So uh, Evergrande's predicament unfolds, uh, unfolds as having a major domestic and global consequence. And a disorderly collapse of this company could trigger a downward spiral in China's property markets, which could derail domestic and global growth, which could also bring about social unrest as citizens see their wealth evaporate. Now, this is how Evergrande or Evergrande got there, okay? <clears throat> um, over the years, as uh, the Chinese authorities were enjoying the benefits of a booming property market, sounds a little bit like 2008, if you ask me, um, they've noticed that it, they've been more recently um, concerned. The, their level of concern has increased about the risks that the property market poses for financial stability, the Chinese Communist Party has introduced different regulatory measures that have been designed to curb property prices, and it even created a slogan, houses are for living, not for speculation. Kind of reminds me about America in 2008, 2006, 2007, guys, you know, where you want to have it just to have it. You, you, I mean, you may as well just have it, okay? You might as well add two additions and uh, two jacuzzis and, uh, you know, a pullout back just to have it and a wine cellar while you're at it, right? Do any of you guys know where I'm getting that from? Anyways, okay, so 
Uh, as part of the August 2020 clampdown on property investments, Chinese authorities directly targeted developers with their three red line policy. And that policy limited the amount of leverage that developers could have and required developers to have sufficient cash to cover short-term debt. Um, and uh, those measures also significantly stunted Evergrande, whose business model relied on aggressive borrowing to purchase land and build housing. To comply with those measures, Evergrande has been forced to find ways to cut its debt and raise cash. But in March, Evergrande was still non-compliant with the three lines and they were put in the red zone. Um, so Evergrande has debt that runs for many years over, okay? Uh, for the year 2022 alone, Evergrande is estimated to have $7.6 billion in bond payments due, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, it's not going to be easy to, I mean, I don't know anything about managing that kind of money, ladies and gentlemen. I'm open to it. Okay, I'm open to it. But dang, okay. Uh, interesting enough, interesting enough, uh, the uh, Standards & Poor's Global Rating System stated that a bailout is not likely because Evergrande is not too big to fail. Or so they thought. Okay, so they thought. Uh, a new a new story has begun to emerge recently, as recently as uh, as recently as Monday, where the big banks UBS and Barclays finally have admitted that Evergrande's solvency issue is only a small part of the China economic crisis, um, and other big banks today got on board. Uh, Market Insider reported today that the ongoing crisis at the property developer Evergrande is infecting the broader Chinese economy, according to UBS and Barclays, who warned that growth will be much lower than previously expected in 2021. The two banks said Evergrande's looming default was squeezing the broader Chinese property sector, which is one of the main sources of growth in the economy. They also said China's power crunch would act as a drag. Analysts at Barclays, including chief China economist Jian Cheng, said there has been a rapid deterioration of housing market sentiment as Evergrande financial difficulties have spread to more developers in October. We've been warning about the China investment crisis for years. We reported on President Trump's months. So uh, let's see here. Uh, there was another worst case scenario setup that we have here. Let's check it out real quick. This will this will uh, get into the entire thing a little bit more. So uh, let's watch this real quick, and I'll check you guys out on the other side. See what you guys think about this video. The grand crisis that is going on right now is bad and could be the next Lehman moment for China. Well, a new report has just come out and it shows that the situation is much, much worse than we could have ever imagined. In this video, I'm going to go over this new information. And I know I've done many videos on the Evergrande scenario, 
but this is much bigger than Evergrande and this information is crucial. And this shows that if this crisis isn't handled properly, if the housing market goes down in China, this could lead to a crisis that is much, much worse than 2008. Because what do we know and what has happened so far? Well, we know Evergrande, the second biggest property developer in China, has over $300 billion in liabilities. It's missed three bond payments. There's other developers literally dropping like flies by the day. And Evergrande just has 12 days left until it officially defaults on its first coupon payment, which was due September 23rd. Its shares have plummeted 85% and has been halted for over a week now. But Evergrande, a company that has $300 billion in liabilities, won't be the leave at moment. Evergrande exposed a problem that is much, much worse. So everyone, let's not waste any time. Let's get straight into this new report information to show what kind of situation we're in right now. This, everyone, this report that has just come out from Goldman Sachs shows how much of a bubble the China's housing market is compared to the rest of the world. And it also shows how bad it'll be if this asset class goes down. So as you can see in the chart here, when we look at the US housing market, which is the blue squares, that has a valuation of $34 trillion. It's fixed income asset class, like the bonds market in the US, is $48 trillion. No! <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> hey, you don't have permission. The okay, hold on. Stock market. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my days. Oh my days. Okay, here we go. Is valued at $47 trillion. Well, look how much the China's housing bubble is valued at because this bubble is you know beyond bubbles it is the one bubble to rule them all it is valued at 62 trillion dollars making it the largest asset class in the world and it contributes 29% to china's gdp when you factor in everything like construction development when you compare that to the us the housing market in the us only contributes 6.2% uh, to america's gdp and this represents 62% of household wealth in China. So when we compare this to the subprime mortgage crisis in the US at the time, the US housing market was valued around 25 to $30 trillion uh, in 2007. So this is more than double that. And when you look at what happened in 2007 with the subprime mortgage crisis compared to what's happening now in China's housing market, it is pretty much identical. What there was was far too much leverage and risky lending. And what have we seen in China? People are taking any kind of credit they can. They're using generations and generations of wealth just to secure a property because it's the only surefire or was the only sure way to build wealth in China because they don't like investing in the stock market. There's a lot of regulation on building companies. So most of the people plowed all of their money, not just their money, their parents, their children's money in together into this bubble. So we have to remember for China, this is not about Evergrande. It's about preserving confidence in the property sector because the property sector in China is 200 times bigger than the Evergrande situation. 
And so like I've covered in other videos, and like I said earlier, we are now starting to see this house of cards come tumbling down. Because when you look at the housing market in China, and when you compare it with you know a traditional Ponzi scheme, what does a Ponzi scheme rely on? And it needs more and more money coming in to keep the Ponzi scheme going. Well, this is how developers have worked in China. They've taken on a massive amount of leverage and they've sold properties years before they were built. Instead of keeping that cash there to finish their developments, they use that cash to start other businesses. Like with Evergrande, the owner brought soccer teams, netball teams. They started other ventures and they relied on more and more investors piling in their money. They made investors buy their wealth management products and they relied on cheap, easy credit from the banks. But now that is all dried up and has exposed how China's housing market with these developers is like a Ponzi scheme. But let's dig a bit deeper into this report from Goldman Sachs that shows three scenarios, a best case, a base case, and a worst case scenario. And let's look at how bad of a situation the housing market in China is in right now compared to the worst case scenario. So I'll bring up the chart here. We'll just focus on the worst case scenario at the moment. So we can see here on the right, new starts fall 30%. Completions fall 10%, sales volumes fall 10%, ASP down 10%, land sales fall 30%. And what this would cause is a 4% contraction in China's GDP and lead into a long, deep recession, which will have massive consequences for the rest of the world, especially us in Australia. It will affect the US as well because China is the world's second biggest economy and the economy is so globalized now and it's so interconnected. If one major player goes down, it affects everyone. So that was the worst case scenario. But we just got some new housing data from China hot off the press. And guess what? It is actually worse than the worst case scenario. Let's have a look, everyone. So a report in Shanghai Securities News citing China's Real Estate Information Corp research, which revealed that more than 90% of China's top 100 property developers' sales declined in September by an average of 36%. That's right, 36%, worst than the worst case. September sales tumbled 756 billion yuan, that's 118 billion US, down 36.2% from September 2020 and 17.7% .7 lower from the same period in 2019, deepening a downward spiral that started in July. Among companies, 60% of developers saw sales decrease by more than 30% year on year in September. Beijing, Shenzhen, and Guangzhou saw transaction volume of residential properties decline 30% year-on-year, while Shanghai fell a massive 45%. I nearly fell off my chair when I saw this because these numbers are absolutely terrifying numbers. And to put it bluntly, scarier than the Goldman Sachs worst-case scenario. What's worse, this sudden collapse in China's property market is taking place before Evergrande has even defaulted an event which would lead to a freeze in the property market as potential buyers hold off expecting liquidation of file sales from the property giant in hopes of getting bargains. The problem is that in addition to being the world's largest asset class, China's property market is also the world's largest Ponzi scheme, as I was saying earlier. And without constant inflow of new capital, it will implode especially when factoring in there's 90 million vacant apartments which just sit there 
and would promptly be dumped by anxious owners flooding the market with excess inventory and sending prices crashing. Are you starting to get the picture here, people? The dominoes are falling and they're falling fast and hard. And it didn't take long for the market to notice what is going on. Otherwise, healthy developers, which are in far better financial health than Evergrande, promptly collapsed. China's Jingmao Holdings plunged as much as 10%. China's overseas Grand Oceans Group tumbled 7.9%. And Sunsac, 3.7%. And Country Garden Holdings, 3%. So what will this lead to, everyone? Well, Chinese property firms may face a wave of defaults next year if China's Evergrande Group deepening debt crisis shuts access to a key source of funding and conditions don't ease for heavily indebted borrowers. There's a growing alarm that the liquidity crisis at Evergrande is going to spill over to other developers as President Xi maintains measures to cool the property market while maintaining China's three red line rules on property sector leverage. A new report from FD Today found that no less than half of China's top 30 developers were in breach of at least one of said lines. So if this continues and they end up being locked out of the market and unable to roll over coming maturities, with operating cash flow drying up, the only recourse is a dreaded liquidation fire sales to be the pin that bursts the China's housing bubble. As I went over in my last video, and I bring the chart up here, if China's far bigger 12 trillion onshore bond market approaches levels currently at the offshore property dominated market, all bets are off because these developers won't be able to get any funding whatsoever. Yields will skyrocket and they won't be able to afford to repay the debt. And what have we been seeing lately, everybody? This, China's bond defaults have hit a record high of $18 billion in the first half of 2021. And it's looking like the second half of 2021 is going to be even higher. So what would happen if there is no intervention by the regulators to save the housing market? Well, the entire 62 trillion Chinese property sector will sink the outcome will be orders of magnitude much more dire than the Lehman moment. Because remember, again, the housing market in the US at that time was valued around 25 to 30 trillion. This is $62 trillion and it has much, much more leverage. And also the global markets are much more globalized today than they were before. So Hao Hong, head of research and chief strategist at Bucom International said, if the broader population loses faith in what is China's biggest asset while the market waits for a resolution, something the latest sales data confirms is already taking place, then the consequences will be catastrophic. So while some observers have compared Evergrande's woes to the epic collapse of Lehman, the truth is that the coming default is just the trigger event whose downstream effects could pull down the entire Chinese house of cards. Something the latest housing data show is already in play. Because at the end of the day, no Ponzi scheme can continue if the participants lose faith in a favorable outcome. And at 62 trillion, China's housing sector is not only the world's largest asset, it is also the world's biggest Ponzi scheme. Which is why other experts have said that this isn't a Lehman moment, it could be far worse if one views China's gargantuan real estate sector as rotten to the core. So everyone, although people are saying that the Evergrande crisis is over and it's not a big issue, but it's actually a much bigger issue than we thought of. And this is why I'm covering this situation because the mainstream media 
all the analysts, the central banks, they're never going to tell you that a huge crisis is coming. They're all going to tell you everything's okay. Keep putting your money in the markets because their job is to instill confidence in the financial system because that's all the financial system relies on is confidence. So I'm waiting eagerly for the 23rd of this month to see if Evergrande officially defaults on its bond payments. And I'm also waiting on next month's data to see how much house prices are starting to fall in China. So everyone, that was an update on the situation. What do you think? Let me know. What do you think, guys? Let me know. No. Uh, yeah, I saw I caught that comment in there. Belushi, uh, Belushi has been going over this uh, for a few months now since. Yeah. And it's it's pretty uh, that's pretty crazy, guys. Now, this video was dated nine days ago. OK, nine days ago. And it was already looking that bad then. Let me see what I got up next. Uh, we'll save that one. Okay, let me bring this back over here. Just got a few a few last things to say on Evergrande and one last China story, and we'll call it a night, guys. Um, despite all of this, uh, despite all of this um, information, despite all of this data uh, coming out, it seems that the Chinese Central Bank, the Chinese Central Bank, otherwise known as the People's Bank of China, seems to think that uh, they will be able to uh, contain this Evergrande risk. Uh, and they are telling creditors to stay calm. But again, just like the fellow said on the screen, that is the job of central bankers to instill confidence, right? Uh, but Bloomberg notes that um, even though business has been booming, right, in that sector of development, um, that the developers have still been piling on debt and firms have been selling more bonds in the domestic market and at the cheapest rates as investors shrug off these default concerns, those with dollar-denominated obligations are facing higher borrowing costs, okay? Now, uh, he says here $62 trillion. Dollars. Okay, now we're looking at, and I noticed that um, Two Rivers threw in the conversion rate into the uh, chat. So $40 trillion, okay, uh, this was another number here from the Standards and Poor's, uh, was uh, China maybe sitting on, okay, check this out, guys. In addition to all of that, China may be sitting on 40 trillion yuan, yuan, right, it's not dollars, uh, 40 trillion yuans um, in concealed off-balance sheet um, debt that no one knows about, hidden debt, which 40 trillion yuan um, converts to 6 trillion United States dollars. Um, so that's, that's a hidden debt on top of that that they have found and it's being concealed off balance sheets by the country's local governments, according to the research from Standards & Poor's Global Rating Systems. Um, and many local governments in China, uh, they have raised debt. They, they raise debt and they hold it off their balance sheets in order to avoid lending limits imposed by central authorities. Again, Standards & Poor's says that this is a growing problem within the country and that amount of debt held this way was likely ballooned in only the past few recent years, guys. So that's gonna be a big one. 
Uh, Belushi says, no way they can contain this. I would agree with that. I mean, they can't, I mean, yeah, they could print more money. They can add more zeros to their digital currency, but ultimately guys, it's going to run out. It's going to run out. And uh, unless, you know, they, I don't know what, I don't know. I don't know who the Chinese globalist deep staters are in bed with for banking. Is it IMF? You know, who is it? I don't know. All I know is that their own, their own, they are their own faction, right? Uh, but last story for China, and we'll call it a wrap, guys. It, in, in, even though all of this is going on with China, okay? <laughs> even though China is about to, you know, kick the can and have an economic crisis that's going to bring the whole world down with it, Cuba, Cuba cannot help but form official alliances with China. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it is finally official. The courting period between China and Cuba is over. The Cuban Communist Party has officially joined the Energy Alliance of the Belt and Road Initiative. Now, we've heard about this for months also, about uh, China trying to get the Belt and Road Initiative across, you know, continents and across the Atlantic Ocean to continue building their infrastructure in other countries at like uh, loan shark rates, basically, is what we're talking about. But uh, Cuba's going to do it. And uh, Cuba is now officially part of the Belt and Road Initiative. The, the first state, the first Latin nation, I should say, this side of the hemisphere, of course, there's only... Well, no, I take it back. I forgot about Spain. Anyways, okay, so... Um, Cuban Energy and Mining Minister uh, Levan Aronte Cruz announced that the new collaboration with China on Monday would claim a focus of Cuba's participation in the program to be an advanced renewable energy. Uh, Cuban ambassador to China, Carlos Miguel Peraya, said Havana and Beijing shared the goal of amplifying and diversifying energy cooperation and collectively overcoming challenges of global energy development. Cuba was once the wealthiest and most developed country in Latin America. And as we know it now, it is among the poorest due to 60 years of communist rule under the currently ruling Castro dynasty. Cubans regularly endure energy blackouts prompted by communists' mismanagement and poor upkeep of power plants and other key infrastructure. Blackouts have intensified in recent months to the point that Union Electrica, the state energy company, notifies residents of upcoming blackouts on a daily basis. Send all the communists to Cuba for all I care. Now, the... Um, Bridge and Road Initiative is a global infrastructure initiative that China launched back in 2013. Uh, the Communist Party asserts that the goal of the initiative is to help developing countries advance economically by offering loans to be used on port, rail and road projects, among other things, and that it would make it more accessible to international trade. But what is really going on here is China is using the project to prey on underdeveloped nations with high interest loans moving to seize the infrastructure projects that they create when the country cannot pay back those loans. So I'm going to build you a road. You pay me this with that interest. And when you don't, I own the road. 
China owns the road. Okay, that's what's going on here. Now, in addition to indebting the um, friendly Chinese, oh, sorry, in, in, um, in addition to indebting the uh, participating countries in, to the Communist Party, locals in the Belt and Road Initiative countries have reported an influx of party friendly Chinese business people who have engaged in abusive, racist, and criminal behavior against the locals, particularly Black Africans. Um, Cuban officials boasted on Monday that joining the Energy Alliance of the BRI would make the island nation among the first Latin American country in the coalition. Let's not forget about Peru, right? Let's not forget about Peru, okay, because they're right there with them. Uh, prior to this week, Cuba's participation in the Belt and Road Initiative focused on transportation. China began building a railway connecting the nation's two largest cities, Havana and Santiago de Cuba, that required Cuba to purchase 80 rail cars in 2019 and another 80 a year through 2021. As Cuba cannot afford these purchases, it paid for the cars via a Chinese loan. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no evidence that would suggest that this railway will turn them profit by any means. Okay. By any means. Um, pictured here is a uh, communist president Diaz Canel and communist president Xi Jinping. Uh, the railway was part of a deal by T.S. Canal that he brokered in person during meetings with the Chinese dictator Xi Jinping in 2018. Uh, during his visit to Beijing, a stop on a greater tour that included a stop in Pyongyang in North Korea, Diaz Canal agreed to deal in a new energy, information, communication, and biological pharmacy as well. The Castro figurehead asserted that Cuba was willing to learn from China to update its domestic economic and social model and promote the cause of socialist construction, which is communist destruction, if you ask me. A report published in August also revealed that at least two Chinese technology companies, Huawei and ZTE, had extended their operations in Cuba to such an extent that the regime used their products to shut down the internet following the July 11th protests. A move that has been said to be designed to block Cubans, Cubans from organizing more rallies against communism and also from sharing the images of police brutality against the protesters. Finally, ladies and gentlemen, a website called the ADN um, Cuba alleged in a report in July that China's support for Havana went as far as training repressive Cuban forces. The site published photos appearing to show Chinese people's uh, armed police fighters training at Cuba's Black Berets. And if you guys want to jump back to our second or third international episode, we cover that very article and we have the photos there to show you as well. That's going to take you back to about uh, August, I believe, August. But uh, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. There you have it. That wraps up that smidgen of international news for tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you had a good time. I know I did. I had a great time hanging out with you guys tonight. And uh, I got to say, 
I got to say, uh, tonight has been fun, um, but I need to see. Thank you all for hanging out. Um, let me let me jump into chat before we wrap it up for the night. Again, uh, we are live on the foxhole.app. We are live at pill.net. We are live at Twitch and also at uh, Clout Hub. So thanks to all who've been hanging out with us on all platforms. Big, A big thank you uh, to the friends over at Foxhole. Uh, it appears there have been some shenanigans going on while I've been speaking. <laughs> Apparently. Oh, my goodness. Um, wowzers. Oh, my oh my days. Uh, J-Bell gifting another can. J-Bell gifting another fleet. And a cookie. And a cookie. And a cookie. J-Bell threw her jar of cookies, her ships, and her six-pack at me. You know, it was probably more like a 24-pack. Thank you, J-Bell. Um, thank you so much for that. You, you really didn't have to do that, and I appreciate that very much. Uh, from my heart to yours, J-Bell, thank you so much. Um, you, you've you been beyond generous tonight. And um, Belushi, thank you as well uh, for tossing your cookies at me. <laughs> and thank you for for popping those cans before you tossed them this way too. Okay. Uh, who else was out, out here in the, in the midst? Love you too, J-Bell. Thank you. Love you, J-Bell. I don't know why I said thank you to that. That's the weird, that's the weirdest thing to say to someone that says they love you. You say, thank you. <laughs> ah, Mr. C. Anyways. Okay. <laughs> Day tripper, hugs, hugs. Uh, pilled by the rabbit. Thank you. So better lately. Thank you to bare naked. No, 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 no. I saw that one guys. I saw that one. Like, uh, like. He's got pants on. You see, he's wearing pants. Okay. <laughs> and that's only because I've been in them all day. Okay. So, <laughs> so that's, that's the only time I'm going to do that. Uh, okay. And, uh, naked and based. I like that. Okay. <laughs> J-Bell, you're going to Las Vegas. I'm going to have to buy you some dinner now, okay? Are you? If you're going, I'm going to go back and read the chat. But if you're going to be here in Vegas also, I'm going to have to get you some dinner or something. Thank you for that again. Yeah, boy, death hanging out also. I think someone stole J-Bell's gold card. Oh, <laughs> oh that's funny. Um. I say Evergrande to Netbooth. Uh, Evergreen is different. Evergreen, okay, so uh, in fact, in fact, uh, something I had seen. Now, Evergreen is the shipping container uh, company, right? Um, but, uh, but apparently, um, Evergreen has actually rented or um, leased Evergrande ships. Like, I, I'm, if I'm not mistaken... I've seen it, uh, but yeah, Evergreen and Evergrande are totally different thing, businesses. But interesting enough, they may have actually done business together. Um, okay. Uh, uh, shepherding Shepherd, is Mr. C using a sun lamp? I know, it's bright, guys. It's bright. I apologize. Look, that's probably a little bit better, right? I had to take, I had to take the shade off because um, I don't have a ring lamp. I might be able to get one after this. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I do not live in Las Vegas. I am I am here to cover the uh, I'm here to cover the uh, Forgotten Country event. I'm wondering how many of you guys I'm going to see out there. Like, if I see J Bell, I'm sure I'd recognize her. 
If I see W.C. Cranop, I'm sure I'd recognize him. Uh, well, if I see W.C. Cranop, of course I'm going to see W.C. Cranop. But uh, some some of you guys, I don't know. I don't know you guys from, uh, you know, the back of my head. So <laughs> I'm, I feel like I'm going to get jumped left and right. Uh, not in a bad way. Uh, anyways, but uh, okay, cool. Awesome. Thank you all again tonight for tuning in and hanging out. And thank you for your generosity for the show. Everything we do here is, like I said, it's a thousand percent listener and viewer supported. Yeah, screw that. You know, it's it's supported by friends, family, community, and uh, people who care. And viewers and listeners. But <laughs> you, got, you guys get what I'm saying. Thank you again tonight. All right, guys, we're going to call that a wrap. Sergeant Sparky, Belushi, Tanette Booth, Better Lately, Canadian Patriot 17, Two Rivers, J-Bell, uh, WC Cranop, Blonde Blue Lady Q, Zena, Ziana, Zena. You told me how to pronounce your name, and I totally forgot. I'm sorry. Um, thank you all for hanging out. Groucho, Groucho the second, thank you for hanging out. Uh, Shepherding Shepherd, as always, love your energy. Um, and thank you all for being part of tonight's show. We'll be back tomorrow. WC Cranop, thank you for this. Thank you for the 117 gold pills, my friend. Um, we'll be back tomorrow um, for sure. I'm, I'm going to try and do some man on the streets. Well, I'm going to do a test run for man on the streets tomorrow. Okay. Um, I did, I did a, a, a public test run today, but it, it wasn't a man on the streets thing. It was just a, it was just a video test. So we'll do that. We'll do a C report tomorrow. Again, we'll be live from Las Vegas. Um, and then uh, Friday, Friday, I just got to figure out what exactly is going on on Friday as far as, uh, you know, press passes and all that good stuff for the Forgotten Country event. Um, and then we'll be there live Saturday through Monday, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, you know, tune in. Uh, check out what we got going on. Um, if you would like to, uh, to share the, the live feed that I'm doing, you're welcome to. Um, I'm hoping to be, uh, filming the event the entire time. And then also, also cross fingers, I'll get some interviews. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, but again, thank you all ladies and gentlemen for hanging out tonight. Uh, if you're hanging out over at Pilled, I mean, sorry, if you're hanging out over at Twitch or at um, Clout Hub, again, thank you all for being present. Uh, if you're hanging out on the podcast side, uh, uh, thank you all for listening. Um, I will say that one last time before we depart. Uh, make sure you check out the C Report over at our podcast, which is anchor.fm slash the C Report. And anytime you do that, you most definitely help the, uh, help the broadcast. Let me put the, um, whoops, that's not it. What'd I do? Where'd you go? I don't know what I hit. There we go. That's the right one. There we go. That's the one I'm looking for. Yeah. Uh, helps that helps the uh, broadcast out. Uh, I'm, uh, this week only, I'm also doing intermittent podcasts just about, uh, my experience here in Vegas. So you can check that out. You can check out the C report, Lone Star News and other intermittent activity on the podcast. And that's going to be a podcast exclusive content. Uh, I think that's it, ladies and gentlemen, other than that, check out the C report, uh, again, from, uh, the bottom of my heart, from my heart to yours. Okay. I like that one better. 
Uh, thank you so much for your support over at the Foxhole and at pill.net. You guys are amazing. And uh, for all you people who don't got your free accounts yet, go over to pill.net, make a free account, go over to the foxhole.app, make a free account. And then uh, you have a whole bunch of content creators giving you ACES content at your fingertips. And uh, I don't think you can ask for too much more in a world that's so subdued with censorship and political correctness. Take a break. Hop on over to the foxhole.app. You'll be glad you did. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you'll have a great night. Let me release the scratching before I forget. I almost forgot. Release that scratching. Yeah, yeah. Release that scratching. Okay. All right, guys. You'll have a good night. We'll be back tomorrow. Stay tuned for more details or just stay tuned. Uh, but till then, you guys be safe, be blessed, and God bless America. We'll see you tomorrow.